Welcome to the World Impact Ministries Sermon of the Week with today's message by Pastor Beverly Rayfeld. You know, I, I, I struggle sometimes, and thank goodness God always wins out, but I struggle sometimes with um, wanting to be more traditional. And so, you know, this week I really struggled with putting together a nice little Christmas teaching with a nice little red bow on the top of it so that I could just give you something fun to go home with today. Yeah, something fun. The word is always fun, but I just, the Lord, I wrestled with it and the Lord wouldn't allow it. I couldn't get anything into a nice tidy little package to send you home with a red bow on today. Because I see, I see some things happening in the body of Christ, um, and he wants to encourage us today. He wants to bring us to the word, and he wants to strengthen us um, in the places that we um, are seeing a lesser than manifestation of the goodness of God in our lives. And he wants us to know that he's still here, and that he still hears us, and, and that when Christ came, it was certainly Emmanuel, God with us. Um, and so I want to, um, I'm going to kind of get right into it, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to start out with sharing a, a little bit of a story from a couple years ago. Uh, when my boys were younger, there was, um, uh, they were in the, uh, a mixed martial arts class, and so I would bring them to this gym, and I would drop them off there, and I would buzz over to my gym that wasn't too far away, because I had my own little workout that I liked to do by myself while my kids were doing their thing. And the one day when I walked into that gym to drop off my boys, um, one of the attendants behind the counter said, you know, we've got a we've got a really good boot camp class here that I think you should try. And and they said, you know, it actually is, uh, it's, in, it's you get to do it for free because your boys are members here and, it, and you really are already paying for a family membership. So it won't cost you any money. And, um, and she's, and this was the promise there, you know, they're like this, I, I promise you this class is so good. It will get you in the best shape of your life. Okay. And so I'm thinking, oh, I'm already in pretty good shape. I'm lifting weights, doing cardio on a regular basis. Why not? And so I don't have to drive to another location. I'm not paying any more money. I was promised I'll be in the best shape of my life. Woohoo! <laughs> so I put my stuff in the locker room, and I walked out onto the AstroTurf, which should have been my first clue, to join this new class and get into the best shape of my life. Well, about 120 seconds into this new class, I realized that I was definitely not in pretty good shape at least not by the standards that these people were setting. And about, about 180 seconds in, I realized I was going to die. <laughs> like, I was seriously going to die if I tried to keep up with what they were trying to do. Um, and if you're familiar at all with a lot of the boot camp class, I think they did like 200 burpees. Um, and I, do you know what a burpee is? Well, I was going to have my son come and demonstrate it. Pastor Wayne can. I know he can. Because you got to see a burpee to know how, how, like, what I was going through. Up here, yeah. Or you, up here, can, okay, no, no, up here. Okay, okay, all right. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to have you run through. So show them what a burpee is. Okay. And, and then down and back up. Yep, yep, yeah, exactly like that. But you don't do three, Yes. There were like 200 of those, okay? So those are called burpees. That was my first introduction to a burpee. Then the mountain climbers came. 
And the mountain climbers were worse than the burpees. And then the up-downs. Have you ever seen a football team do up-downs? So what I realized in this boot camp is there were two people that ran it. What ran it? One was a former NFL player, and the other one was a former Army Ranger. Yeah. And believe it or not, it was majority women in that class. It was majority women. So it's not like I walked in there and there was a bunch of dudes. It was a bunch of women. And, and, and these women were, I was like, man, they, I mean, they were, you know, they were doing all their things and I'm just, you know, and, and so, um, and then not only the up downs where, you know, like the coach has a whistle and they're going like this. And then when he go, when they blow the whistle, you got to drop down and jump back up and do this thing. Those are the up downs. But then after the up downs, um, they did the bear crawls. And do you know what bear crawls are? Okay. Bear crawls are what football players do up and down a five. And this building had like a football field type thing. So, and then we flipped these massive tires. We would have to flip these tires. So it was kind of a never ending, you know. And so like seriously, um, because I was, um, and that was, I was almost throwing up and that was before the warm up was over. And I, I'm not really kidding. I was, I was feeling very, very sick to my stubborn, but to my stomach. But being very foolishly stubborn, um, even though I knew I was dying, I wasn't going anywhere. Um, and so I stayed for the rest of the pl- class. I have very little memory of what the rest of the class looked like. <laughs> I just know that the warm-ups scarred me for life. I got back into my vehicle with my boys, feeling barely conscious. And while driving home, I'm thinking... Why would I ever come back and do that again? I'm not training for an Ironman. I am not training for the Olympics. Why on God's green earth would I ever come back and do this again? But you know what? I went back the next day. And I did it again. And probably for the first week, I felt like I had the flu. Like I was not just body achy, but literally I just was. But it, it was my body being conditioned it was weakness leaving my body, and it really was. And so I stayed with that class um, because I knew it was making me stronger, and it was starting a work in my life or in my, in, in, my, in my physical body that I had never been conditioned for before. And actually, David saw the, um, the effect it was having on me just in my overall health, the transformation. And so he actually joined me about four or five, four or five, maybe six weeks later, all I know, it's the only time when I've had the edge on this man physically. And I just remember, and, and I, and for finding great joy for one moment, and, yes, and watching him um, have to go through all those ropes and, and him too coming in there feeling like he was in pretty good physical shape. But after like, after the first three minutes, it hit him the same way that it hit me. Yes, yes. And so um, all of that to say is that I responded yes to a promise that was given to me that if you do this, um, uh, you're going to be in the best shape of your life. And isn't that kind of how it is with the Lord? We say yes to him. And the expectation is, is that you're going to do something in my life like never before. And I'm coming to you and I'm saying yes to you. See, he didn't just come to save the lost. He, came to, he, he didn't come to change our circumstances. He came to change us. And so our circumstances really often don't start till changing. God wants, um, we want his word to work for us, but God's saying, will you allow the word to work in you first? 
Will you allow my word to do a work in you? And so I just use that as kind of a little illustration as to kind of, kind of what, what I'm going to get into this morning. It was not easy. I said yes, but I kept going back because there was a payoff and there was, there was, there was a, a place that, um, uh, of strength that came into the, the healthy area. I felt so healthy. I'd never felt so physically healthy or strong in my life. Um, now I'm wearing a brace on my elbow because I have what they call tennis elbow, and I've never played tennis in my life, and I promise you I haven't picked up a weight in about five years. So I don't know. It's from being on the computer, but I'm like, they call it tennis elbow. So what in the, what in the world? Um, so I want to I talk today about what, what immovable and unshakable faith is. And so David, you know, he got into it last week, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go um, it, uh, down the same road, but taking a little bit of a different way to get there. And this is a message that I preached. I thought it was close to a year ago, but we realized this morning that I was telling David, um, I'm pulling this from a message that I preached about two years ago because it was a very deep work that the Lord did in my life and actually is still continuing to do. This message still applies to me um, even right now. And so if you have a Bible, um, even if it's a, a, a digital one, go to Matthew 16. And I'm going to read this out of the voice, Jake, out of the voice. I'm going to pray before. Oh, he said you might not have the voice back there, and that's fine. Um, uh, so Matthew 16, but I'm, I'm going to pray first. So Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for your word. That is such a gift. And I thank you that your word continues to give life um, to us as you reveal yourself and who you are in our lives. And you re even reveal to us who we are through your word and where you are in our circumstances. And so, Holy Spirit, you are so much better um, of a teacher than I am. And so this, this morning, I would ask you to teach your word as you see fit. I submit um, everything to you in this moment. Um, and I thank you for everyone here that we can grow together, Lord God, as we benefit fit from um, just the studying of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Matthew 16, um, we're going to find Jesus in this, in this passage speaking to his disciples, to his closest disciples. And this is, it says, Jesus to his disciples said, who do people say the son of man is? And his disciples responded, some say John the Baptist and some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And Jesus said, but, but you, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, Peter answered, and he said, you are the anointed one. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Simon, son of Judah, son of, son of Jonah, your knowledge is a mark of blessing, for you didn't learn this truth from your friends or from teachers or from those that you've met along the way. You've learned it from my Father in heaven. This is why I have called you Peter, the rock, for on this rock I will build my church. And it wasn't the rock of the man Peter. It was the rock of the revelation that Peter just had. See, God can build on revelation that he gives you. When you have a new revelation of God, he will build on that revelation in your life. I will be, on this rock I will build my church. The church will reign triumphant even at the gates of hell. That's what the voice, um, the voice version says. The, 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 the church will reign triumphant even at the gates of hell. And, and most versions say um, that the gates of hell will not overcome. 
not prevail. Peter, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I love that scripture. I love to read it, encourages me, but I got to be honest, there are some times when I'm losing as much faith as I can into my circumstances, into the things around me, and I'm not feeling much movement. I'm not feeling much movement. And see, when I first got saved, I felt like God answered every prayer. Do you know that that's kind of how it goes? He builds your faith. It's like he answers every prayer that you're praying. You're just like, oh, my goodness. God just, he's just on this. I, so much before it's even out of my mouth, he knows what I need, and he's, and he's answering my prayers. But do you understand that there will come a time where your faith will be tested? And it's okay to admit that. It's okay to acknowledge that our faith gets stretched. And sometimes we are challenged in the belief system that we had in place because God does not seem to be moving in the way that we thought he would move. Can we be okay admitting that? And so with Peter's confession that Jesus is the anointed one, the foundation, this revelation that the foundation of the church is going to be laid, in the days ahead, the church will storm the gates of hell and nothing will stop it. I mean, Peter, he would walk down the streets and people would get healed just by being in a shadow. You know, and so Jesus was speaking this truth that was, was about to happen. Um, the, the, uh, there were no darkness, no doubt, no deception, not even death would be able to stand against the church. Nothing. Wow. Peter, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. Peter, on this revelation God has given you, I will build my church. Can you imagine that? This promise. The future church built on the revelation given to this one disciple. You talk about a mountaintop experience for Peter. Such anticipation for what is to come. But I'm going to tell you something. With every promise comes the process. And you do not get to choose what the process looks like. And every single one of us, no matter what we experience on the mountaintop, every single one of us is going to find ourselves on a journey in life that we never would have chosen for ourselves. And it's in those places that God gets real. It's really easy to count him as real and faithful when we're on the mountaintop. And every prayer that we're having, that we're praying, is being answered. But what about when you get into the process of the fulfillment of that promise? So see, that mountaintop experience for Peter was not the end of his story. It was really just the beginning. And in Luke 22, if you want to go there, we find recorded the details of the end of Jesus' life. Do you see? This isn't your typical Christmas message. I couldn't put it in a box. I I tried, and I couldn't. So this almost sounds more like an Easter message, but it's not. It's going to encourage you, and you're going to leave here standing in a stronger place in the middle of your circumstances. In Luke 22, we find recorded the details of the end of Jesus' life here on earth. The chief priests and the leaders are looking to kill him. And Judas, under the influence of Satan, strikes a deal with them to turn Jesus over to them. And in this passage of Scripture, we find Jesus sharing his last Passover meal with the disciples. And we often have this picture of the Last Supper, at least I do anyway, being a quiet time of reflection and peace with some nice music playing in the background. They got a nice quiet room up there. They're just all together, all tucked in, nice and cozy. 
this quiet time of intimacy before Christ goes to the cross. But we have to realize that there was a whole lot going on in that room. Jesus had just washed the disciples' feet and they had shared the last supper together. He was encouraging them and he was instructing them throughout this time as he was preparing them for the days they had. They had no idea what was about to come. See, they still thought that this Jewish king was going to overturn the current circumstances. They thought still in that moment that Jesus had come and was going to wield his, flex his muscle, and he was going to overthrow the current government physically and that they would be back in power. That's what they were expecting. But see, Jesus didn't come to change their circumstances. He came to change them. And so these men have this perception of what the fulfillment of the promise is supposed to look like. And Jesus is preparing them in this time in intimacy. And in the middle of all of this, Judas gets up and he leaves the table to carry out his plan of betrayal. The disciples, so this is not so peaceful, the disciples are arguing about who is the greatest among them. And then Jesus, in the middle of all of this, turns to Peter and he says these words. In verses 31 and 32, he said, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you've returned to me, strengthen your brothers. And we can read through that scripture and we can gloss over it because we've heard it so many times in this particular setting and this particular story. But we need to look at what this scripture is saying behind it and what the words mean when Jesus spoke these. Because Peter at this point has no idea what he's about to step into. Now he is, the revelation that God gave him is the church is going to be built on it. But here the Lord is saying, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may see Sift you as wheat. Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prepare, prevail against it. Simon, 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 Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. What do we have here? Peter's sifting came right after a revelation of great blessings to come. Right after the promise of the fulfillment of every, everything Peter desired. Peter had just received a promise of fruitful ministry. Further in Luke 22, Jesus says, I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father appointed unto me that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on the throne judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And the Greek word appoint is taken from the root word meaning to channel. So he, he is still, to, even though he's saying Satan has asked to sift you, he continues to encourage him. And, he, and Jesus, what he's saying there with that word appoint, he made an incredible promise to the disciples telling them, I'm going to channel my kingdom through you just as the Father made a channel of his glory through me. But even as those promises were spoken, the enemy was asking to sift him. And Jesus knew, and just like Jesus knew what was coming for Peter, Jesus knows everything that you will encounter. He will know everything that you encounter. 
And so I want to go into this verse. I want, I want to go into this one verse that he spoke to Peter because I want you to see what Jesus was saying. when he t- See, the emphasis isn't on that Satan has asked to sift you. That's not where the emphasis is here. Jesus was telling him what was, what was going to come, what the enemy wanted to do. But I want to walk you through this particular scripture. Simon, Simon. The repetition of his name here is significant. Jesus is saying, listen up, Peter. You need to hear this. Don't miss this, Peter. Pay close attention to what I'm going to tell you because you're going to need it. See, when the Lord speaks to you, it's really good to write it down. When you get a prophetic word that is an encouraging word, you need to record it. You need to write it down. You need to put it somewhere where you can see it because there's going to come a time where you're going to need the reminder. It's sober and it's serious is what Jesus was saying when he said, Peter, Peter, pay attention. Look at me. Look me in the eye. Look me in the eye. I have something I want to tell you. Satan has asked for you, Peter, that he may sift you as wheat. Satan, the adversary, the one who opposes the plans, the purposes, and the people of God. If there's one thing I want you to be aware of is that you have a real enemy. And somewhere along the way, the church has stopped talking about that, but we need to know that so we can decipher who's messing with us. Because if you're not aware that you have a real enemy, sometimes you think that you've done something wrong and God is angry with you because everything is going wrong. I promise you, if you love God and you, you, you are in Christ and you, you have accepted him and you are walking with him, I promise you, he is not going to bring um, a bunch of punishment on you to make you pay for something. It's already been paid for, completely. Finished. It is finished. But you must be aware that the word is very clear, that we have a very real enemy. And that enemy is the one that Jesus came to destroy. He's the one who prowls around looking for someone to devour. Peter, the adversary, has set his sights on you. Yes, you. He wants to sift you. He wants to shake you. He's going to cause so much agitation in your life. He's going to try your faith to the verge of overthrowing it. I'm reading you the descriptions of the Greek words here. He's going to try your faith in a way to try to overthrow it. He's going to come to you and try to decimate my image in your mind. He's going to try to get you to believe that I am not a good God. He's going to try to get you to believe that I'm not fighting for you. He's going to try to try to get you to believe that there is no hope for your circumstances. He's going to try to completely annihilate everything that you believe about me. So Peter, pay attention. See, this next sentence is where it just blew me away. Peter, he wants to shift you. He wants to shake you. He wants to overthrow your faith. But then he goes into this final sentence. But I have prayed for you. In everything that I've read in the word of God, I don't know that there's any sentence that has affected me more deeply in the area of repositioning me in my faith than those words. And I'm going to explain it to you. Because again, when you dig into the word of God, there are things that come out through the original language that you cannot grasp if you're just reading it in English. And it's so, this this repositioned me. Peter, he's going to sift you, but I have prayed for you. That word, but, 
and I always say this, so for the ones that hear me all the time, that word but is one of the biggest buts you're ever going to see. It's a really big but, B-U-T. You have to understand what the original intent of that word but means. Peter, the enemy is coming after you to overthrow your faith. But means that what is to follow challenges what I'm about to say, challenges and opposes the previous statement. It adverse, but, that word but, adversarially addresses what was just said. But challenges the whole statement that was just made. Satan is coming to sift you, but there's a complete change of direction with that one word. It marks a transition into something completely new. Peter, you're going to face some stuff, but let me tell you how it really is. I have prayed. And that word I is actually where we get the word ego from. And it, when, when Jesus used it here, and it only in the Greek language is this word I, it is an emphatic I. It is an exclamation point. I, Jesus, I myself have prayed for you. It signifies a very forceful action. Prayed, the word prayed, de omai, to ask as binding oneself. Jesus was binding himself to the prayer that he was praying for Peter. But I have prayed for you. I have bound myself. I'm committed to this, Peter. The root word, which is deo, it means to forbid, prohibit, declare to be illicit and illegitimate. Peter, the enemy has asked to sift you, but what he wants to do, I'm, I'm illegitimizing it. It's illegitimate. That word for, F-O-R, simple word in the English language. But when I go back to the original language, that word for carries more power in it than any other word in this sentence. That word for in the original language, Peter, I've prayed about this. I've prayed through it. I've prayed how it will go. I've prayed in excess to the place he's going to sift you and beyond. I have prayed completeness. I've prayed, prayed beyond the place that the enemy can go. And I've prayed you through to the other side. That word for. Peter, I've prayed you through to the other side already. I know it's coming and I know what it's going to look like. But I have already prayed you through to the other side. Jesus himself. Peter, before this ever happens, I've already, it's already done. I've prayed you through it. Do you feel your faith being quickened? Then he addresses Peter singularly. He's addressing him alone. I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. That the conviction of what you believe right now on the mountaintop will not fail when the testing comes. That the trust that you have right now when things are good and you believe because I'm standing in front of you is the same trust that you will carry when all hell breaks loose. See, there's a thing, there's a place of faith that we can live in. But I have learned in my own life that there is a place of trust that goes beyond faith, the, the place that faith has ever gone for me. Because when, when, when the faith that I'm standing in doesn't seem to be producing the results, i got to sit back and just trust. Peter, I have prayed that your faith may not fail. May it not quit or cease. 
May your faith absolutely be unstoppable, that your faith will not die. See, there was a place of sifting hit my life about four years ago. And when this thing hit me, it hit me harder than anything had ever hit me in my life. And it was the one time when I picked up my Bible and I looked at my husband and I said, this is not working. How could God allow this? I have done everything to be obedient to what he's called me to do. How could he leave the door open like this? And it marked me. And about two years ago, I was sitting at the table, and the Word of God still had a strong relationship with the Lord. I was teaching you guys. You wouldn't have known. You see the strength, but we all have those places where we've taken hits, and there have been woundings, and there have been scars, and there's places that need to be healed, places that need the attention of the Father if we'll allow him. And about two years ago, I was sitting at my table one morning, and the Scripture David was leaving for work, and he looked at me, and he saw the heaviness that was on me over this hit that we had taken together. And he saw the pain. Um, He was carrying it, too. It deeply affected both of us and still does to some degree. And I just remember before he walked out the door, he just said, honey, just get in the Word and get your worship music on. And and I did. And that morning as I got in the Word, this is the scripture that the Lord brought me to. And I realized that a part of me, when that sifting came, see, it wasn't the Lord that brought it. It was the enemy bringing it to shake my faith and to question the trustworthiness of this God that I proclaimed that I loved and trusted 100%. It tested what I believed. And I realized when the Lord brought me to the scripture a couple years ago that there was a part of me that had stopped trusting him. And when there's a part of us that stops trusting him, there's also a part of us that will stop receiving from him. If there's an area in your life that you are not trusting him, you will not receive from the Lord in that area because you put up walls. When we don't trust someone, we put up a wall. There was a part of me that got stuck in that moment where I was angry and felt betrayed by God, (laughs) where I felt that he'd abandoned my family and not protected us in the way that I thought that he would feeling that he had failed me and that he had not held up his end of the bargain. And as I encountered this exchange in the word of God between Jesus and Peter, I heard this, Beverly, I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Beverly, I've prayed about this. I've prayed through it. I have prayed how it will go. I have prayed in excess and beyond. I have prayed completeness. I have prayed beyond this place that you currently see. And I've prayed you through to the other side. Beverly, before you even knew this was going to happen, I prayed for you. I saw it coming. And after Jesus has reassured Peter that he's prayed for him, 
prayed for him through to completion before the testing even began. Jesus says this, and when you've returned, strengthen your brothers. Meaning, Peter, when you leave the self-reliance behind, it behind and you trust only in me. See, that's what this sifting caused. It shook the foundation of what I thought my faith looked like. And what it did is everything that was shaken, you know who's replaced that is God himself. When my foundation was shaken, you know what, you know what happens? When our foundation is shaken and what we thought was going to happen, things turn completely different. You have to replace everything that did not happen the way you thought it with the Lord. You have to. You have to. Peter, when you leave your self-reliance behind and trust only in me, when you change your mind about what you believe about me, Beverly, when you change your mind about what you believe about me, do you still believe that I'm good even though you've taken a hit? Do you still believe that my goodness is still working? Do you still believe that I'm working in this situation even if you've taken a hit? Don't depend on yourself. Don't depend on others. Lean only on me. And I realized that in that area of of sifting, there was a place that I had broken faith with God. I was overwhelmed by what I was encountering. And in Isaiah 30, verses 15 to 18, it says, Listen, the Lord, the eternal and holy one of Israel says, In returning and rest you will be saved. In quietness and trust you will find your strength. And God invited me into a deeper walk with him when I realized he had prayed me through a circumstance that that I had no control over. He had already prayed me through. He'd given me his promise, and it hasn't changed. And I realized that, that what I experience on the mountaintop when things are good and the picture that he gives me there, it is he gives me a picture of what is to come because you want to know something? He's given me the picture of what this will look like. He's given me the picture of complete restoration in that area. And he said, what you see on the mountaintop, that picture that I've given you on the mountaintop, it doesn't change just because you're in the valley. In the valley, you just can't see the landscape anymore, but the landscape hasn't changed. The landscape is still bright. It's beautiful. It's green. The fulfillment is still here. You are just in a place where you can't see it like you did when you were on the mountaintop. So just trust me in the valley. Trust me in the valley. Just because you're in the valley doesn't mean anything has changed. I'm still God. I'm moving. I'm fulfilling. And you realize that Peter, when you go and you begin to read some of the things that that Peter, my goodness, when he was unleashed, the gates of hell could not prevail. See, after the Lord told Peter that you're, you're going to, I'm going to build my church on the revelation that, that my father gave you, Peter denied Christ. Denied him, right out denied him. Jesus knew that was coming. And he knew that that was going to be a place where Peter lost confidence in his, himself and he lost confidence in this Christ that he thought was going to overturn the current government and things were supposed to look different. But see, Jesus knew 
Jesus knew what was in Peter, and he knew that Peter was not going to stay in a place of, of faithlessness. Peter, I prayed you all the way through. I know what's in you. So even in us, when we have gotten to a place where we are struggling in our faith, and we're praying, and those prayers aren't being answered, and we're feeling lesser than, God sees what's in you, and he knows what he's going to do in you and through you. It is not over yet. He's got the full picture. And this is the thing. Peter didn't have the full picture, but Christ did. And Christ knew that Peter walking the streets, that people were going to be healed just by being in his shadow. He knew that Peter was going to become one of the founders of, of the early church and that the world was going to be completely changed and turned upside down through the ministry of Peter. And I believe it is the same thing for every single one of us. God, has. there are some circumstances that have come into your life. It does not change the power of God in you. It does not change the, the, the destiny that Christ has for you. It does not change anything. All it does is bring, it, it, it allows the enemy to get into our mind if we allow him, if we're listening to the wrong voices. And we need to shut down the voice of the enemy and we need to get into a place in the word of God where we understand that he has prayed us through this. He has seen the end from the beginning. He has prayed us through this. It is done. There are prayers that you have prayed that have not been answered yet, and, and you stopped praying them. Do you know he is still answering those prayers? Just because you have stopped praying and don't believe does not mean he is still not answering. Praise God. In 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, says this, Be alert and sober-minded, because your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking to devour someone. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing these same kinds of sufferings. And this is what the Lord had shown me. You return and you strengthen those around you. In the middle of what, I'm, of what I was encountering, God gave me opportunity to strengthen other people in the midst of it. He will not wait until it's over, will he, Dax? He does it right in the middle of it. Right in that they were strong in battle. In the book of Hebrews, it says that they were strong in battle. It wasn't that they, they fought and, and, and they fought in weakness. They, it says they were strengthened while they were in the battle. And I have found that there is a place of strengthening that God does in me when I'm in battle more so than I'm in a, when I'm on the mountaintop. So that boot camp that I was talking about, it made me sick. But I'm telling you what, my faith has been strengthened my faith has been strengthened, even though we have not seen the complete fulfillment of it. You know what we are seeing? We're seeing movement. We're seeing movement. We're seeing restoration step by step. We're seeing the healing of woundedness. It's been four years. I expected a lot quicker than that because God has always moved on my prayers quickly. <laughs> but I realized I don't get to order God around. He just says, Beverly, I'm with you in the midst of this. Will you trust me? Where has the enemy challenged your faith? Where has he sifted you? Where are the impossible things that you've almost given up hope for? Jesus has prayed you all the way through to completion. Will you return to him and let him strengthen you in your faith? 
Back in verses 6 and 7 in 1 Peter 5. I read 8 and 9. I'm going to back up to verses 6 and 7. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And this is what that word humble means. It means to weaken. Weaken yourself before the Lord. Get rid of the self-sufficiency. Sometimes we get so caught up in declaring out faith. And, and I've seen people that have declared it out. They don't, they don't believe it when it comes down to it. They're just trying to be strong. Do you know that he actually says, come to me in a state of weakness. Humble yourselves means to weaken yourself. There's a self-sufficiency in all of us that we would rather not admit. But when we're humbled, we are weakened and we turn our full attention to, to God. That root word that has three Hebrew letters, and this is, these are the word pictures. It's a picture of an eye that expresses physical insight and experience. The middle letter is of, is of the heart and represents life and the faithfulness of God, and the end word represents what, where it comes from and when we, or what comes from it. And so we look at these letters together, and what, what he is saying is that through this, through this humbling, uh, the process of humbling ourselves and relying fully on God, that we know the life-giving faithfulness of our God. He doesn't want us striving. He doesn't want you working harder for more faith. He wants you to trust in him that he has prayed you all the way through. For more information about this or other media resources, please visit our website at world-impactministries.com. Thanks for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by this message.